Well, praise the Lord, and welcome to Russ Podcast today. I'm your host, Kirk Space. Are you saved today? Do you have a born-again Christian experience that you want to share on the show? Are you religious? Are you questioning the Bible or even God's existence? If so, I want to have a conversation with you. You can reach out to me at russpodcast at proton.me. That's russpodcast at proton.me. I'm also on Instagram or Facebook. You can come find me over there, shoot me a message. Just get a hold of me, guys. Let's have a conversation. So in this episode today, this is number two of three for today. Uh, I had Juliana Crawshaw come back on with me. The Lord kind of gave her some things uh, that she wanted to, to bring back to my audience in regards to religion. And we had a really good conversation about religion and the bondage and, you know, how dangerous religion really is guys and you know this is this is one of the biggest things we're up against today in the church is uh religion and you know if if you if you guys are in a bondage to religion or if you are putting your faith in the things that you do and your prayer life put you know it religious works so we're not saying that praying is bad or fasting is bad or praying is bad, all of those things are good Christian disciplines that you should do. But you shouldn't be putting your faith in those things in order to get something from God. The only thing we should be doing is putting our faith in the finished work of the cross and resting there. And that's it. We are to rest in the finished work of Christ and God will do the rest. We have to pray. We have to have a a prayer life and read God's word. You know, we're not going to be able to get through this life without those things. But when we put our faith in all those other works, it just turns into a bondage and we turn into, you know, we get stuck into law and we just end up bound. So let's get over to Juliana right now. All right, guys, back today, we got Juliana Crawshaw on the show again. Juliana, welcome back to Russ Podcast. Hey, how you doing? I'm good, excited. You know, it's in, it's funny, uh, right after we recorded the last time, um, I kind of felt like, you know, I wanted to do another show, and then you texted me and said the same thing. I think it was the next day you said that the Lord gave you some stuff you wanted to uh really bring out again on the show and ask me to pray about it. And I was already, I was already all in on the idea. <laughs> so here we are. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. So we're going to, we're really going to uh, get into a, um, a back and forth conversation, more aspect on religion and, and kind of some things going on and, and what we see in today and how um, Jesus Christ and him crucified is the only answer for, for anything and everything today. Yeah, amen. Amen. Hallelujah. All right, well, I'll open us up with a quick word of prayer here, and then uh, we'll let you kick off with what the Lord gave you, and we'll throw the ball back and forth. Sound good? Yeah, 
Okay. That sounds wonderful. All right. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you today for your grace and your mercy, Lord. And, and we thank you for the blood of your son, Jesus, that was shed on the cross 2,000 years ago, Lord. For without it, we'd have nothing today. And we don't know where we would be without it. And Lord, we thank you for all of the opportunity that you've blessed us with, the fellowship that you've given us. And Lord, we thank you for this opportunity now to have a new friendship between Juliana and myself and the opportunity to come here together, Lord, and, and talk about your word and just share share the answer and the truth to everybody who needs to hear it, Lord. And, and we pray, Father, that your spirit can, can lead this conversation and be present and you could lead Juliana and myself to the direction that you would have this conversation to go. And Lord, we pray that the listening audience, wherever they are in the world and whenever they listen to this, that they'll have an open heart and they'll have ears to hear and they'll be willing to accept the truth. And Lord, we give you all the glory. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. I love what you prayed in that the latter part of that prayer about an open heart. Right. And so... I'm speaking to the listeners because the thing is, is that uh, we we are we're discussing today about being bound by religion and the the problem with being bound by religion. And so, listener, whoever you are, you have to understand. I'm speaking from my own experience. I'm not I'm not talking down to anybody. We are journeying together, shoulder to shoulder. Okay, it's all level at the foot of the cross. And, and self-righteousness, let me just say self-righteousness, what self-righteousness does is either stand above and look down at others or feel less than others and look up thinking others are better. But, but Calvary sees everybody, we are all level at the foot of the cross and we're all looking up to the one we need. So that's, that's where we're at because the only righteousness comes from Jesus. So I'm, I'm talking from a place of living uh, in a place where I used to be so bound by religion. So don't feel ashamed if you are there. Okay. And um, so Kirk prayed that we would have open hearts. Religion comes from the head. I want you to understand that it doesn't come from the heart because it's, it's scary to open our heart. We want to hide behind scripture. We want to hide behind what we know rather than opening our heart to who we know, which is Jesus. So I want to start with Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8. It says, for by grace, <clears throat> by grace are you saved through faith. We're not saved by law. We're saved by grace. We're not saved by works. We're saved by grace. For by grace are you saved through faith. And that, listen to this, and that not of yourselves. So religion basis things by you know thinking that we earn god's love or salvation by what we do you know but we are it's not of yourselves it is the gift and that's a capital g the gift means what jesus did at calvary okay not of works lest any man should boast and here's what god put on my heart this morning to to really um begin with because um, a religious spirit um, is uh, quick to bring spiritual correction, listen, but is void of, of, of spirit-filled compassion. I want to say that again. A religious spirit is very quick to bring, bring uh, scriptural correction, 
but is void of spirit-filled compassion. And if you know people like that or you're like that, this is what God wants us to know. In Ephesians chapter 3, it says in verse 17, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. Faith in what? Faith in Christ and him crucified, right? That you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and the length and the depth and the height and to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. We, to, to know love, we don't know love by the head, but through the heart, through revelation of the heart, what God did for us through Christ and what he did at Calvary. So Jesus says here, before I read a scripture on compassion, Jesus said to them in John chapter uh, five, verse 39, he says to the, he's speaking to the Pharisees, search the scriptures for in them you think you have eternal life. Mm. And they are they which testify of me and you will not come to me that you might have life. I receive not honor from men, but I know you that you have not, listen, the love of God in you. I want to stop there. So here they are, they're searching the scriptures, but they don't have the love of God because it only comes through uh, what Jesus did and who he is. And that is a concern. That's what uh, religion does. It closes its heart. And, and, and religion will try to earn God's love or earn God's salvation by, by what we do. And the other thing that, that religion does is it, it lives by a law-based life and not a life based on the grace of God. Uh, religion is self-condemning. Religion condemns others and is critical of others. And a religious spirit will always see itself as judge jury and executioner and a religious spirit desires position and honor in the church more than honoring god and and there's and scriptural precedents for that i want to just confirm that with scripture because it's not what i say it's what the word says and a, a quick thing on that is in matthew 23 listen to what he says this is jesus speaking he says then spoke jesus in matthew 23 then spoke Jesus to the multitude and to the, his disciples, saying, The scribes and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. All therefore whatsoever they bid you observe that they observe and do, but do not yet after their works, for they say and do not. For they bind heavy burdens and grievous to be borne, and they lay them on men's shoulders." But they themselves will not move them with one of their fingers, but all their works they do for to be seen of men. That's self-righteousness. They make their broad, their phylacteries, that, and that's what they wore on their heads and their foreheads and their arms. To, it was all filled with scripture. Look at all they know. And they enlarge their borders of their garments, and they love the uppermost rooms and feasts and the chief seats in the synagogues and greetings in the markets and to be called of men, rabbi, rabbi. So there's a picture 
of of the Pharisees and the and the scribes. They wanted to, you know, they would lay things on people, heavy burdens. They wouldn't do themselves, but they wanted the best seats. They wanted the positions. They wanted to be called the, by these titles, but their heart was far from God. You understand? And this is this is a a, a red flag of what a spirit of religion looks like, and it's. Always, we always have to let God check our heart because if we're after a position, the greatest, you know, I always tell people, you know what the greatest title you could ever have? It's not pastor. It's not prophet. It's not evangelist. You know, it's not teacher. It's not preacher. It is being called a son or a daughter of God. That is the greatest title one could ever have. Amen. Because that means they're born again. Yep. So, it, it, a, a spirit of religion performs Christian duties, but has no passion for God. Religious people sustain their version of Christianity by performing ministry and, and, and church attendance, but they don't have a deep relationship with God and they have no hunger and thirst for him. Uh, their identity is rooted in a lifestyle of Christianity instead of being rooted in Christ. And they maintain their identity, uh, but they say that their identity is in, in Christ, but it's really in what they do. And so that's just a, a little bit of, you know, some of those things about um, what a religious spirit, just a few things. I mean, there's a lot more, but it, those are telltale signs. And we have to ask ourselves, here's a, here's a, a good question to ask. I always ask this. I do this still. When, when I'm going to do something in the name of the Lord, when I'm going to do something, I say, God, what is the motive of my heart for doing this? Why am I doing this? Am I doing this for accolades? Am I doing this to earn something with you? Am I doing this uh, for, to have, for value? Or am I doing this out of obedience to you that Jesus would get glory and other people would know Christ? Now, if I'm God has, God's the only one that can answer the, that question because the heart is deceitful, my friends. Yep. The heart is deceitful, desperately wicked. So I can be deceived. I can go, no, I really believe I'm doing this for the Lord. And, you know, and I, I want people to know Jesus. And I have to wait. I have to lay it down, give it to the Lord and wait. And God will show me my true motive. And, and many times, many times God will say, you you have a wrong identity here. You are you are doing this for a wrong reason. And it doesn't mean I won't do it, but I have to lay it down and get my heart right and say, God, I, I thank you for showing me that the reason that I'm doing this is because of my my broken in my insecurity. That's what it is, my insecurity and a broken identity. And I need healing because I don't want to do it for any wrong reason. Because that's religion can be born out of a broken identity and our own insecurity. And we, we tend to come from the head. And because we're afraid, if we open up our heart, we've been hurt. We've been wounded in the world before we get saved. And guess what? When we came to the church, we thought, surely I'm not going to be wounded in the church, right? I know when I got saved, that's what I thought. I, I, I was wounded in the world. And I thought when I come to the church, that I'm not going to be wounded. People are going to love me and treat me right, never backstab me. Guess what I found out? 
that was a lie. I was hurt just as bad in the church as I was in the world. And so what I did is I shut my heart down. I closed down. And so everything came from the head and I would not open my heart to people and I would not open my heart to God. I didn't trust people and I didn't trust God. And there was where religion was birthed. Mm-hmm. I, I tried to earn my, my, my salvation with God or my, I should say, I tried to earn everything. My, um, my, I, I tried to earn my way to God through what I did for God, just like I did when I was a kid. I tried to earn my mom and dad's love by being good, doing everything right. You know, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So we just transfer that. Now we transfer that into our Christian walk. So if you're out there and you're like, yeah, I try to earn a promotion at my job by doing everything right and nothing wrong. I try to earn my husband's love by when, you know, how I look, I dress, I don't want to look bad. I don't want to gain weight. I want to say the right thing. Or the husband says, I want to, you know, don't want to look old, don't want the pot belly. So my wife doesn't look somewhere else. Kids say, I've got to be a better child because my parents won't love me. All the thing we've, we've been, it's been ingrained in us that to not be rejected. So we want to earn people's acceptance. My friends, listen to me. We try to earn everything. Listen, if you go to, and I want to speak to the church first real quick. When we go to church and you have a favored leader, let's say that you got a favored leader and you're sitting there with a, let's say you go to a, a fellowship thing. The nine times out of 10, we don't even listen to what a person who isn't anybody, I hate to say it that way, but a person who isn't really in with the leadership where they'll be talking to you. And if pastor so-and-so comes in, your eyes go directly to them, don't they? And now you want to go talk to someone who seems important. Am I talking to somebody? And you want to try to earn your in with somebody you find to be of value. Am I right? Yep. You okay. see it everywhere. So we try, yes. So we try to do something and present ourselves in a way that earns our way into that person's good graces. But that's not how God works, but that's how we perceive God works. And that, my friend, is religion. Amen. And everybody is important to God. Everybody doesn't matter who they are because everybody, you know, is just as stinky as the next person. I don't care if it's Jimmy Swaggart, Billy Graham. I don't care who it is. Every, whether it's the beggar on the street, whether it's the drug addict in the alley, whether it's the prostitute doing tricks, whether it's a president, I don't care who it is from the pulpit to the playground. Everybody in God's sight is valuable. Everybody in God's sight is valuable, but we don't, we don't believe that. That's why Ephesians is important where it says that we would know the height and the depth and the breadth and the length and the width of the love of God through Christ Jesus, because it's not through your pastor. It's not through your husband. It's not through your friend. It's not through the worship leader. It's not through the church. Even it's in Christ. And if we don't know our value in Christ, then what will happen is that we will pursue trying to earn 
things and earn our way to God by what we do. And that's the danger right there. Because nothing I do can earn my love, can earn love with God, excuse me, or can earn value with God. Nothing I do, not how much scripture I can quote or how much scripture I can't quote. It's my faith in what God has done for me through his son, Jesus Christ. Kirk, if I just sit here and I do nothing, my friend, if I'm if I'm a paraplegic and I can't go anywhere and I can just sit here and love God and trust the trust what Jesus has done for me. And I look at the wall every day and say, Lord, I believe what you did for me. And I just pray for people. If that's it, if that's all I can do, it's enough because my Amen. faith is in Christ. That's right. It's not in what I do. It's in what's been done for me through Jesus Christ. And I'll tell you something. When the um, the seven sons of Sceva, I was thinking about that this morning, you know, and they said, Paul, I know. And Christ, I know, but who are you? Yeah, we don't know and you. They were, yeah, who are you? And it's not because Paul was anything. It was it was because Paul's faith was in the one who is everything. Right. Paul's faith was in Jesus. So he said, Paul, I know. And it was because Paul, he knew because Paul's faith was in Christ and him crucified because Paul said, I proclaim to know nothing among you save Christ and him crucified. And Jesus, I know, well, of course, because Christ is the one who delivered everybody through Calvary. But who are you? And it was because these people tried to cast out demons by their own. Uh, they had no intimacy with Christ. And if you have no intimacy with Christ, then you have you don't have the authority of Christ. Right. So that's what I have to say. <laughs> I, I love that you uh, you. It's it's literally God God knows it's amazing, but how you brought up I used the example of a <clears throat> a paraplegic because literally yesterday uh, I was I was reading a um, on Facebook there was uh, and I didn't get involved in it but you know people like to use um, the scripture in James where it says faith without works is dead and that that is their their go to scripture to prove to them that, you know, it's faith and works and we need to do something and we need to do this. And the, the example that was brought up, you know, and I, in my mind that I was going to use, but I didn't get into it because I didn't want to spar with, with religion was what do you do with a paraplegic? What if somebody goes and gets saved, born again, they love the Lord, they get in a car accident and now they're a vegetable the rest of their life, for lack of a better term. But they love the Lord and they can still pray and they have their thoughts. Is that person now doomed to perish in hell because they can't do anything anymore? Absolutely not. And you can't even justify that in Scripture. And, you know, it, we, we have to really evaluate ourselves every single day because our default position— is to puff ourselves up, you know. Yeah. Since since the fall, we we are prideful species, and we you know you laid it out perfectly. We want to do this to make ourselves look better to this person, to that person, to whoever it is. You know, we think we have to do something except for God. It all changes when you get saved, because the entire essence of Christianity is 
a denial and a death to self. We are crucified on the cross with Christ. The old is dead and buried, and we are, you know, a new creation in Christ Jesus. So it's, uh, you know, it's very prevalent today, and, you know, I, I absolutely love the, uh, the paraplegic metaphor you used. It was perfect. Well, you know that Praying Hyde, I don't know if you know who Praying Hyde is, but he went to India and, um, uh, and, and brought the gospel. Anyway, his sister was a paraplegic. She was a, I don't know if she was a paraplegic, but she was bedridden. Anyway, she could not do anything. And, but God used her so powerfully and she would pray for these people in India. She would pray for her brother. She was quite an intercessor and, um, she would just pray and, and God, God on the, God would use her prayers, uh, in powerful ways to encourage her brother. And, and she would write him letters and it was just, it's a powerful testimony. And the other one I was thinking about was, uh, Daniel Nash, uh, but he wasn't a cripple, but um, there's a lot of people that God used that couldn't go and do, but they could pray. And there's many testimonies of that. And I personally, I have a lot of health issues and, um, and so I can't go and do like I'd like to, but I can pray. And, you know, I used to, my faith used to be a lot in um, what I did. And so the Lord, <laughs> the Lord chose to take those things away, but, and I had to see, you know, I was just devastated. Honestly, I was like, God, I'm, I'm not doing anything. And I was like, I, I feel it wasn't just a feeling of use uselessness. It was like, am I, do I have any value? I was just crying. And I was like, I, I just feel like they don't have any value. And I was talking to my, my mom, I say my mom, but she's my spiritual mom, but she has been for over 15 years. And I was crying and was talking to her. And she said, honey, you know, what's, what's going on. Right. And she said, God is revealing to you, even though you've been in the message of the cross for so long, God is, is allowing you to see you were slipping and having your faith in what you did. Mm. And he's taken all that away so that you, your faith is established only in Christ. And, you know, it was, it was a dangerous thing because I was teaching the message of the cross to all these people and telling them your faith has to be exclusively in Christ and crucified. But I didn't know underground underneath the, in the unseen of my heart, my faith was beginning to be established in what I did. Mm -hmm. And the only way that God could allow me to see that it was being moved was by removing those things from my life. And then here I am, but it's a wonderful thing. We don't realize, we think, you know, God, how could you take this? Or how could you, you know, you know, fire me from that or, or take me out of ministry or, you know, whatever it is. And we think that God's, you know, so it's not fair. It's not fair, but actually it's because of love. Mm -hmm. And I want to, I want to talk about that for a minute because with religion, it's heartbreaking because Religion is so law bound and, um, and people, your listeners, I want, I, I, my prayer, my, my earnest prayer is that the hunger to know that they're loved. We need to know that we're loved. We need to believe that we believe that we believe that we believe that God loves us through Christ because 
the being bound to religion is about is about I've got to do this otherwise otherwise God's not pleased and and what happens is we get angry and and then that's that's um that's put on other people and so then we start being critical of others religion is really ugly because self-righteousness is so so horrific and so ugly because you're critical of everybody and you're critical of how people teach you're critical of people not getting things in a manner and as quick as you think they should um even i've heard people when they preach or when they teach and i've heard it come through my own self it's very real you're teaching the right thing but what you can hear the spirit behind it is is anger and self-righteousness and calling people stupid things like that that's not the heart of god right um i i picture here's what i picture i picture the lord squatting down and looking me face to face and saying i want to hear you but i want you to hear me and i love you and i'm speaking truth and i want you to hear me and he doesn't call get in my face and call me stupid he doesn't say don't you get it you idiot that's not how god speaks to us he's not impatient he doesn't turn his back he doesn't stomp his feet he doesn't put his finger in my face that's not that's religion and so we need to stop and say how am i presenting the gospel to people and what do i see god presenting the gospel to me how do i perceive god and i'm asking your listeners to think about that because i know i'm not saying that god is a mushy love where he doesn't ever speak truth where we it's piercing our heart and we need to hear the truth where sometimes it's hard to hear where god says that's sin and you can't continue in that i understand that but god doesn't say that with his finger pointing in your face right. where you feel like some yeah so but we we have to also understand that he is compassionate and patient with us he's long suffering and he never crosses his arm do you know what do, think about this jesus when he died on calvary's cross his arms were extended you know to the side his arms were not extended down as though in shame and his arms were not extended outward as though pointing to us saying you are you're disgusting they were outward as though saying come unto me all ye who are weary and heavy laden <laughs> you're right with Isn't his, that arm, amazing? his arms wide open come come on come to me right and they were not over crossed over his chest as right. as though his arms were closed off from humanity yeah so it's 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 just to me i think that's very interesting and very prophetic and very real of the love of god extending his arms open um to whosoever will and and so we really need to think about that of how we are presenting the gospel and our our hearts need to be clean before the lord when we present the gospel to others we are we're not to berate others we are i love what somebody once said we need to remember we are beggars who found bread giving to others you know other beggars and telling them where we found bread do you know what I, i'm saying it wrong but there you go <laughs> right. i think you know one of the, this the scary part of, of all this, 
you know, as born again believers, we know not to act like that. And we know it's, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> we know it's, it's wrong to, you know, teach in that manner or, you know, tell somebody they're stupid or pointing at them or prideful. We know that and we don't want to be like that. And the dangerous part is we don't even know when we're doing it because it just comes natural most of the time. And we have yeah. to check ourselves and, and be able to, to catch it and see it. And, you know, some people be doing it for, you know, once or twice and they catch it. Some people go uh, a month, six months, two years living like that, you know, and it's, you could be a born again Christian and like with you, you, you fell into religion after you got saved. You know, there is a danger to, to all of this. Well, and I, but I fell into religion after I got saved, number one, because I, I went right into Word of Faith Church, but also, and I don't want to blame them because God is far bigger than that, so I, I, can't, I can't put blame on something else. I was indoctrinated into that, so that's part of it because I didn't know anything else, right. but um, it, not for the, it, you know, if it wasn't for the grace of God, <clears throat> he, he would not have brought me, it would have not been, you know, my freedom would have not come, but part of it, Kirk, was because I, I was, my identity was so broken, brother. My identity was so, so broken, uh, that my, I, I was looking for value. See, that's, that's the thing is Satan knows. He knows that we are looking for value. We, every, Every person on planet Earth, I don't care where they're from, they could be Muslim, Buddhist, uh, New Age, doesn't, you know, doesn't matter what, where you come from. Uh, you know, um, every person on planet Earth is looking for value. Right. And so people look for it in all sorts of ways and all sorts of things and, in, in, you know, different religions and religion is not just what I just mentioned, it can be, a, it can be anything, but the, you know, God has shown us our value so much in the fact that while we were yet sinners, that we are so priceless to God that he would send his son who left a perfect heaven to come to a defiled, vile earth to save a defiled, vile people who wanted nothing to do with him. So they crucified him. And yet he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. God, we are so priceless that if I was the only person on planet Earth, Jesus still would have given his life for me. Let me give you a, a practical example. If you take a $20 bill or a $100 bill or a $5 bill and you crumple it up and you put it in the mud, and you stomp on it a million times and pick it up, it still holds value. Amen. No matter, no matter how it's treated, its value is still its value. So, but the thing is, people don't realize their value. And, you know, God wants us to, and so we're looking for, and so that's what happened with me as I was looking for value. And, you know, the song, looking for love in all the wrong places. We're looking for value. And, and so here's what happens with religion. The promise of you're going to have a great ministry. I'm going to make you a pastor. 
um, you know, lots of people are going to come. Look at how big your church is. Look at the revivals, you know, these tent revivals. All, so the value is in what we think we're doing for God rather than who we are in Christ. You see how deceptive it looks? It, You know, it's like the counterfeit bill, you know, the, it looks the same, but it isn't. And discernment is knowing the difference between what is right and what is almost right. And so the, it looks like you have value, you know, oh, I'm valuable to God because of, look at, look at, this must be God. And I'll tell you something, Kirk, God can be a million. He, there's things I've, I've done and I, I think, look, God, look, you must be in this. And God will say to me, I'm a million miles from that. I'm nowhere near that. You think that's me? I'm not even, I'm not, I'm nowhere near that. That's not me at all. And it's very deceiving because it seems like the Holy Spirit, it seems like God's blessing on it. And God's like, I'm, I'm not even near that. You're trying to find value in that, but that's not me at all. And here's the good thing, though. There, here's the blessing. God still saves people. Amen. Even though we are so messed up, he will still bring people to Christ. But we are we are looking for value. And, you know, I there's somebody I know, um, and I won't mention the name or anything, but they finally got, they've been praying and, you know, wanting to be ordained. And they're sweet as can be. And, yes, they're very faithful in their calling and <clears throat> all that. And, <clears throat> and uh, you know, and I've been praying, God, you know, but God put on my heart where Paul said, you know, I— you are the epistle. You got, you know, God wrote his, his wrote uh, written on the hearts of many. I'm saying it wrong. It's in Corinthians. You know that he wasn't. He doesn't need a letter of condemnation, a commendation from anybody because you are the epistle written on. You are God's epistle written on the hearts of men. Anyway, so I was praying for this person, and then God put on my heart about Abraham wanting Isaac, Abraham and Sarah wanting Isaac so bad. Finally, Isaac comes and then God says, take Abraham, take Isaac and, and take him up the mountain and sacrifice him. Right. And we know that God provided a, another sacrifice, which is a picture of Christ. But I said to this person, I said, I'm so you know delighted that you finally are getting ordained. But God put on my heart. Are you willing to lay that ordination down? Because you've been doing the work of God all the all these years. You don't need an ordination. And I'm not saying that you shouldn't be. But I'm just saying, are you willing to go to God and say, say, I'm willing to lay this, even this down? Because I, I have wonder, you know, people want to be ordained, but do they need to be? Are they willing to lay that title down? Just a question I'm asking. Mm -hmm. I mean, we can do the work of God without the title, can't we? Right. I mean, I know that it opens up doors because of technical things, but. You know, I'm doing stuff. I'm not ordained. I don't have a title. I don't need a title. My name is Juliana. I'm I'm a child of the Most High God. <laughs> you know, yeah. uh, I don't need to hand somebody a card that says Evangelist Juliana or whatever people would say or somebody would say, you know, Pastor so-and-so or whatever. You know, I don't, the title is nothing. So I'm just questioning, you know, my question is, you know, where is our value? Where does it lie? Is it in Christ or is it in, or is it in the title or the church or the ministry or the building fund or whatever we're doing? 
is, are we finding our value in the things that we do for God or are we finding our value in what God has done for us? Right. I want to talk about um, why, let's see how to word this. Um, you know, we brought up, you know, Brother Swaggart has brought this up and you said it in your, your testimony that religion is one of the most addictive narcotics that there is. And, mm. you know, we know that because it puffs, it puffs you and me up. It puffs up our, our pride. But I want to ask you, uh, as somebody who was, was a part of this and came out of it, why is religion so addictive even when it doesn't give us results? You know, because you said your life was like you were in an iron room and you were just trying harder and praying harder and fasting more and and doing more and it still wasn't giving you the results you wanted so i want to go into to that you know and and kind of jump into the the roman 7 aspect of this as to why even though it's so addictive why do people keep doing it even though there's no results hmm. because it's a form of insanity right and what insanity is doing the same thing over and over uh, and, and, but not getting any results, you know? Um, so that's what it is. Insanity, you do the same things over and over again, but, but there are no results you get the same results, right? Isn't that the term? Yeah. Insanity is doing things over and over again and, and still coming up with the same results, which is ridiculous. But uh, I think that, it's just, it's so ingrained in us. And here's the amazing thing. It just came to me, I think, because the only answer is Jesus. Right. And so God allows us to come to the end of ourselves. We keep doing it over and over and over again until we come to the wretched man right. moment. Because Roman Right. And he sa it doesn't <clears throat> say, what shall save me? Who? But who? Yep. Right. And that's, that's exactly what it is. And we have to come. And again, let me say, and I think this is, this is the most powerful part is it cannot be, I, I mean, for me, uh, I can only say, excuse me, it has to be a, a true collision with Christ. It can't be quoting the scripture. Right. Oh yeah. I know Romans seven twenty four. It can't, it has to be. Uh, because we're talking about the struggle against sin. And it says, what shall we say then? Is the law sin? God forbid. No, I had not no sin, but the Bible. Oh, wait, I'm in the wrong place. Hold on. Uh, so it says, but I see another law in my members warring against the law of my mind. Mm -hmm. So this is a real war. This is not a natural war. It's a spiritual war. And a spiritual war cannot be won by natural means. So warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into what? Captivity. So now I'm, now I'm in captivity. I'm imprisoned to the law of sin, which is in my members. Oh, wretched man that I am. So we can't live any, we can't live except the only way we can live for God is by the prescribed order which he set, which is Jesus Christ and him crucified. And then he says, who shall deliver me? He's saying, 
there's no other way. There's not a pastor. There's not a prophet. There's not a church. There's not a 10-step program, a 20-step program, a 40 days of purpose. There's the only one who can is Jesus Christ for any way of victory. I thank God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. He says it. Right. And it ha- we have to we have to have a true a true collision with Christ. We can't just have a mind. It can't be through a mental uh, understanding. We we can't just ramble scriptures because religion will do that. And here's something that I want to say for people who who know and believe and have been, been delivered. If if we don't have compassion for where people are, because I am so sick, I'm telling you, I'm 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 pukey sick uh, of people who just ramble off scriptures to people. You got to care where people are at, because Jesus said in Matthew uh, 20, verse 29 uh, through 34, but he said, when, but when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them because they were weary. Listen to that. They were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. He had compassion. God is a compassionate God. And when we see people who are bound by religion or, you know, And it's not just people in the church. There's millions of people in the church bound by religion. But there are people in the world that are also bound by religion. It just is from a different source. It's not from the church part. It's a different thing. But we need to be compassionate, my friends. The last thing we need to do is throw scripture at people. We, you know what I, God gave me one time? He said, law builds a fence, but grace builds a table. Law builds a fence, but grace builds a table. We need to we need to build a let God build a table of grace where we sit with people and we listen. We listen and have conversation and let people talk. Let them invite I ask people a lot of times, I'll say, I'll say, can I ask you? I'll let them talk, you know. And then I'll say, can I ask you a question? Do you know that's the most powerful thing you can do? Saying, can I ask you a question? Mm. Because when you say, can I ask you a question? And they say, yes, they have now invited you in. Right. And and when so there you go. Opens you now the you've door. Been, yep. You've been, by, in, been invited into their life. And so now that has started something. And, and you can bring the gospel in without, you know, quoting, well, you know what Jesus said, you know what the Bible says, blah, blah, blah. You can still quote scripture, but you don't have to throw it at them. Right. You can you can just say, can I share something with you? And, uh, and share from your own life. You don't have to throw the word at them. You can share from your own life and they'll start asking you questions. And they will eventually ask you questions. I give people a lot of times, I just give them a how to live for God book. Can I, you know, it's, it's over time. I don't do it right away. But I'll say, you know, there's a book. Can I give you a book? And they'll go, yeah. And that book is amazing because it's short chapters, which I'm, I have a short attention span. <laughs> and so the chapters are short. And it speaks. And Dan, Brother Dan gives of his own account. And he talks about where he was at and how bound he was. And it's so wonderful. And he also brings the scriptures and how it truly applies. Right. So, but I'm I'm sorry to be so 
adamant about it, but honestly, I'm sick of it. I'm, if I was not saved and I saw people on the street corners and even when being saved, seeing people on the street corners with their bullhorns and screaming at people, I wouldn't even come near it. I'm, I'm tired of that. You know, I do a thing. Sometimes it's called a prayer tent and, or a prayer, a prayer booth. And it says need prayer. And we just sit there and people walk up and they'll talk to us and tell us about their life. And we're not saying anything. We're just sitting there and people just share and we'll go, well, Hey, can we pray with you? And they'll go, yeah. Sometimes we lead people to the Lord. Sometimes we just pray for people. And there you go. We give them, we ask if we can take their information. They'll say yes or no, or we'll give them, you know, our, I'm not there to, to evangelize the church. I'm not there to promote a church. I will not give a water bottle with the name of a church, but I will give them Christ. Yeah. It's non-confrontational, you know, and all those, those other methods are, they're abrasive. And, you know, right off the bat, somebody, uh, maybe somebody who's questioning, you know, Christ or something, you know, that's, that could turn them off right from the beginning. You could have the message of the cross uh, 100%. And if you approach it in an abrasive manner, you you might have lost a bunch of opportunities, you know, approaching it like that. Mm-hmm. And we always, we always give them, you know, how to be saved. Like we give them, a, you know, how to be saved, uh, something. So if they walk away and they, they didn't get saved, or if they did get saved, I'm saved. Now that I'm saved, now what? We give them steps and that. And then we give them something that... Uh, brother um oh uh now i just lost his name anyway it says i'm i'm miserably saved what do i do Uh, curtis hutchinson pastor curtis Mm. hutchinson put that together and i love it so you know uh, you know they got to walk away with something but it's it's the days of promoting churches has got to stop right because we're here to promote jesus christ and him crucified and you know uh People have got to know, because we were talking before when I texted you, you know, there's a way out. If somebody's stuck, there is a way out. You don't have to stay stuck. And the way out is Christ, as Paul said, who shall deliver me. And the way out is Jesus. Amen. It's not complicated. We, we make it complicated. We are the ones that make it complicated. The gospel is very simple. We're screwed up. We're stuck. We made our mess. It's not anybody else's fault. It's my fault. Mm-hmm. But but God made made a way out. He gave us the answer. The answer is not your doctor. The answer is not your pastor. The answer is not a priest. The answer is not Muhammad. The answer is not Buddha or Shintoism. The answer is not the world. The answer is not politics. The answer is Jesus. Simply so. He's the answer for everything that ails us, and he will always be the answer. And we can have joy unspeakable through Christ, freedom, liberty, living hope. Can these bones live? Yes, they can. Amen. Yeah, you know, everybody, uh, me and Pastor uh, Mike Chory, we talk about this all the time. Like Everybody needs to come to their oh, wretched man moment. You know, and it, it Paul... You know, and the entire chapter of Romans 7 lays lays that out, was his struggle and his battle and his fight of trying to do it his way and do it on his own. And it, it doesn't work. You know, it just compounds and it compounds and it gets worse and it's worse because it's a spiritual law. 
You know, Romans 8, 2 is for the law of the spirit of life in Christ. Jesus has set me free from the law of sin and death. You know, so when we don't have our faith properly faith or properly placed in what Christ did at the cross, the Holy Spirit's hands are tied. You know, it's a, it's mm-hmm. a, a spiritual law and, and he can't move. You know, so the more we compound our own works and, and all of our own stuff to try and achieve this, it's just going to, we're not going to get anywhere, but, but worse, you know, and, and that's why, you know, how you said you, you felt like you were in an iron room, you know, and it's just closing in and, and you can't break free until, and God will let us go. He'll let us do it until you get to that, oh, wretched man moment. And I love how you, you pointed out that it's not just a, a scriptural reference of knowing that verse. You actually have to be on the crash course head on with Christ to come to that. You, you know, you got to get to the end of yourself. Unfortunately, yeah. you know, God has to let us wreck ourselves sometimes before we get it. Well, and that it, that's exactly it. We do have to wreck ourselves and we have to we have to come to the end of everything else as well. Yeah. That we see that nothing else is working. Everything else is failure. You know, everything else is failure that, you know, this didn't work. like the woman with the issue of blood, you know, she yeah. spent all her money and so everything else, and I found that, you know, I found that nothing else was working. You know, th- this group wasn't accepting me and the ministry wasn't fulfilling me. Nothing else will satisfy. And I had to come to the place to see that this stuff wasn't satisfying. I was, I mean, I would just cry my head off, man. I'm not kidding. I would cry my flipping head off. Excuse me for saying flipping, but I would cry my head off and just, just, I was desperate. And that desperation precedes revelation. I was so desperate and I was like, this isn't fulfilling me. This is not satisfying me. I'm, I'm feeling worse. And so ministry wasn't satisfying me. Relations, relationships weren't satisfying me. Nothing was satisfying me. And I'm like, God, why, why is this not fulfilling my heart? And he had to show me because Jesus is the only thing, the only one that will satisfy and well, he's the, what you're looking for, Juliana. He is what you're looking for. And somebody asked me the other day, my, fr- my friend took me out to lunch and she was looking at me and she said, why aren't you married, sister? Why aren't you married? And I said, because I found the one I've been looking for. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> I really have. And I'm not interested. I'm very, I'm very content. And that's what I told her. The word content just flooded from my mouth. I said, I'm content. Yep. I'm content with Christ. And, and I don't want anything to interfere with that. And I just, I, you know, I think that, um, you know, if, if somebody is looking to get married, that's wonderful, but nothing should compete with Christ. Their relationship could, should complement Christ, but never compete with Jesus. Mm-hmm. That's actually a big, you know, a big hang-up I see um, recently in the church is people that aren't married, and they're putting uh, the desire for a husband or a wife before the Lord, and they're they're miserable, and and they're mad yeah. at God or bl- they're blaming God, and uh, you know I mean you know a little bit about my situation uh, with, with Evelyn's mother, and you said the word content. I'm content because I have peace in Christ. And if he wants me to be like Paul the rest of my life and be single until I get to glory, so be it. I don't I don't need anything else. 
you know. And that's what people really need. Everybody needs to be at that point of content with with where they're at and where God has them. And if, you know, it's God's will for you to have a husband or to have a wife, you know, seek ye first the kingdom of God and all these things shall be added unto you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I see a lot of people here that, because we have um, discipleship homes here, and they 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 graduate from these discipleship homes and even before they do they're already looking like it's a women's discipleship home and a men's discipleship home. they're already looking to who's it you know the guys are looking at the girls the girls looking at the and they're already making decisions on which one they want to marry and it's like why don't you first mm. fall in love with jesus right just focus on jesus and and just stay there yep. and just just get and it's just so sad to watch because, again, it comes back to we talked about this, about identity, your value. Your value must be in Jesus. He must be your everything. And uh, it's it, it's hard. It breaks my heart. It, it truly, truly, <clears throat> truly breaks my heart. And they, you know, but there's it's not my business. All I can do is pray. But it's it's very heartbreaking because. A lot of times things kind of don't work out and things get crazy, but you know, it's people really are looking for value. They're looking for value and, 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 uh, you know, I mean, look at our, look at our culture. Everything is about, about what your appearance is, Mm -hmm. you know, what you look like and, and how you dress and, you know, it's it's just everything is is it's just horrible and but it's not about the heart you see because i know people that are very attractive but absolutely ugly because their hearts are so ugly yep. it doesn't matter what their appearance is and they can have all the money in the world but their hearts are far from god right um you know and so we've got to decide that's why it's important i love discipling people and uh you know discipling people that they would they would their hearts would be right their hearts would be you know let they would let god conform them into the image of christ and he would be their first and foremost love and we can't have a we can't have a love for this world and religion is not the answer and relationships are not the answer the only answer is jesus we must he must be our first love right because he's coming back soon, folks. Amen. You know, we're take his church in time. We are not living in the last days. We're not even living in the last of the last days. We're living in the last hours. Seconds. Seconds. Oh, yes, I would have to agree with that. We really are. And so time is running out. And, you know, that thing you sent me on the, we're uh, being 18 inches from heaven, yep. most powerful Kirk, that is the most powerful tract I have ever come across, and I I just I really appreciate it. I sent that to my mom because she disciples people and has for 42, 43 years, and she has led so many pastors to Christ, you have no idea, and uh, who thought they were saved, but they were bound by religion, mm. and so I'm going to order some of those for her, and she just really appreciated that. Did you find a link to be able to buy them? Uh, I looked at it, and so I'm still searching because I think it's kind of, uh, I don't know if they had them because I think it's kind of uh, an older tract, if I could say that. So I wasn't sure if they had them or not. So I didn't go back to look yet because I've been kind of busy. So <laughs> Yeah, I get it. And I, yeah. <clears throat> I like that you, uh, you brought up 
uh, living in the last of the last of the last minutes. And I want to get your take on this a little, you know, a little change in the subject here quick at the end. Um, what, what are you seeing and thinking with, uh, what's going on in the world with, um, how soon we're really, how, (laughs) how close it really is? Like what, what are you thinking and seeing based on what's happening in the world right now? Okay, so do you really want to know? Oh, yeah, because I got something <laughs> I want to tell you. <laughs> okay, well, God God gave me a word. Do you want me to read it to you? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so, because I don't go by what I see in the world. I just go by what the Holy Spirit speaks. So, he gave me this word. So, here it is, y'all. <laughs> he said, give ear to the voice of the one who created you. The time has come. The time of reckoning has come. Choose this day whom you will serve. You will not be able to escape all that is about to come upon all the earth. You will not be able to buy your way out for the only way to find safety is by the way of the way himself, Jesus Christ, and your utter surrender to him. Just as in the days of Noah, the cry came over and over and over year after year to repent, to come into the ark. No other way for anyone's life to be saved from the coming storm. And so it is. The storm of all storms Mm. is on the horizon. Do you not believe it? Come now into the ark. Come into Christ or you will be overtaken suddenly and swept away into utter darkness. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. It's crazy. It's so crazy. And this is what I'm going to bring up. Uh, do you know about the eclipse that's happening in April 8th this year? No. Uh-uh. Okay, so this this is going to sound nuts, but there's no way any of this is just coincidence. Okay? So in 2017, we had that um, total solar eclipse where it was the total blackout, and the pathway of this eclipse went across the whole length of the United States. Well, now here we are seven years later, there's another one, and it's going the opposite direction across the United States, okay? So we know, based on Genesis 1.14, that God uses the stars, the sun, and the moon. He said they'll be for signs, you know. So we look at the state of the world and what's going on, and there's a judgment coming, we know, and we're telling people to get in the ark, to, to avoid the judgment that's coming. You know, we're headed into the tribulation uh, head on right now. And, you know, the United States is so apostate, and we're so far in sin. We've removed God from school. We've removed God from the church even. And, you know, the how many uh, millions and millions of babies were aborted, uh, same-sex marriage. The, the list is so long, right, of, of how how much this country is, is in sin. So you, you look at this eclipse now, and this same exact scenario happened back in the early 1800s. There were uh, two eclipses. They crossed separate paths seven years apart. Okay, and where these paths cross, they form an X over the United States. And where that is, it's on the New Madrid fault line in Central uh, America, the sen- center of the United States of America. Well, after these eclipses happened in the 1800s, Six or three months, it was three or six months after, there was uh, the worst series of earthquakes that ever happened in the history of the United States. Okay. And it was on that New Madrid fault line, right where those eclipses crossed paths. So now here we are again. 
Okay, 200 years later, same scenario, and everybody's saying, is this a sign from God that there's a judgment coming? Well, when you start really looking into this now, uh, the pathway of this eclipse that's coming in April 8th, and mind you, 8 is the number of Christ, it's the number of new beginnings, Uh, there's a lot of symbolism behind numbers. So this is where it gets nutty, Juliana, bear with me. But the path of this eclipse, it's coming from the southern United States all the way up through up into Canada. And it starts, okay, now once this, this eclipse hits the United States, the first city in the pathway of totality that this eclipse will pass is Jonah. Jonah, Texas, okay? Now, if you f- keep following the pathway of totality all the way up to the top of Nova Scotia, there's seven cities named Nineveh in this pathway. Oh, my. Now, there's only eight cities in the world named Nineveh. Seven of them are in the pathway of totality of this eclipse, and the eighth one is the one of the Bible in Israel. Okay? In the middle of this pathway of these eclipses, right on the X, is a town called Rapture, Illinois. Oh my gosh! Also in the pathway of this X is the Ark in Kentucky that Ken Ham built. And guess what? That town of Rapture, Illinois, has a population of one. Now, what are the chances of that? So this this gets nuts. This gets nuts, because how can all of this be a coincidence? The year is 24, and what is 24, 8, 3 times, which is the number of Christ? All of this stuff can't be a coincidence. Wow. And what are the chances that the whole path of this eclipse hits every single city of Nineveh? And the first one is Jonah. Jonah was the prophet sent to warn Nineveh of the coming judgment. Wow, that is that just gives me chills. Oh, that is incredible. Man, it's crazy. I'm ready to go. Me too. <laughs> and I said, I was talking to Pastor Tori about this. I said, you know, it's, it's almost, it's interesting that that town of Rapture is uh, only one, one person. He said, yeah, it's almost like it's symbolic of the one who's going to rapture us. Right. Yeah. You know, it's, it, it's amazing. Oh, and here's another oddity of this, Juliana. There's another town in that X where the pathways cross. It's called, the name of this city is called Cairo, Little Egypt. And Egypt is symbolic of the type of the world. So while you put all these things together, it's just, we really need to get people saved. <laughs> right. We, we need to keep preaching the gospel for sure. Yep. Well, and I pray a lot. I just, you know, I'm not sent to, I mean, I, you know, I wish I was sent to go all over and bring the gospel, but I pray. I pray for those who are sent, and I pray that the Spirit would just draw people. I've been praying a lot for the, the, you know, the people you see in different cities that that are drug zombies, Mm -hmm. and God put on my heart. I was reading, because I teach a study of James every Friday, and this yesterday was so powerful. I mean, it was, I'm not anything, but the spirit just fell. 
and he, he brought, he talked to me about the ladder rain. I got to tell you this real quick before we close. Cause I gotta, I gotta stop. But anyway, chapter five, he, it said, um, listen to this. Cause it, Oh, this is so cool. It says chapter five, verse seven, be patient. Therefore brethren unto the coming of the Lord behold, the husbandman waits for the precious fruit of the earth and his long patience for it until he receives the early and latter rain. And I'm like, what, what are you saying, Lord? And I was just getting ready for the study. And he said, the early rain is after the sowing, but the latter rain is when harvest is now. Mm. And I'm like, I just started to cry. And he, he was telling me, he said, the harvest is coming in. There's going to be an outpouring of the latter rain of the Holy spirit. And he's going to draw, and it's going to draw in all the all the people that are gonna yet to be saved before the rapture well all of a sudden i started to pray and i saw all these people that look like zombies because of mm, drugs yeah. and the, and god said i'm gonna i'm gonna bring those dead to life and they are gonna go and they're gonna proclaim the gospel to all people it, it's like the church is already dead right you know but these people god's gonna bring to life He's going to bring them to life. The latter rain is going to be poured out and he's going to bring the most uncommon, the people, the least likely. He's going to bring the least likely to life and they're going to proclaim the gospel and then the rapture is going to happen. Hallelujah. It was just real. It was so real. It was so cool. Wow. <laughs> Yeah, because yeah. you know that's that's what everybody's saying in the church. You know, SBN's been saying it for how long that there there is a great, great, great outpouring coming before the yes. rapture. And you know, if if you look at all the sign, the prophetical signs that are happening, we're we're getting out of here real soon. So that being said, this outpouring it's got to be soon, and it's probably not going to last very long. It's going to be a quick one hitter, and it's going to cover uh, a very, very large. Uh, portion of people, and then we're going to get out of here. You know, and that's yeah. that's what we're looking for. I'm so excited to go. You have no idea. I'm so oh, I know. excited to go. So yeah, I'm with you. That I can you send? Can you? I know you said it, but can you? Is there any way you could send yeah, it to oh, me? I have a ton. Uh, I'm I'm kind of a, a an end times nut. You know, when it comes to biblical prophecy in, in the last days. So I got a ton of stuff I could send you. And uh, thank you. Have you heard about the red heifers also? Yeah, but I, the thing is, is that that was also, I saw that. And, but that was, I was like, yeah, because that was also circulating some time ago, a couple of years ago. So I was like, I, that was already circulating before. So I just go, I'm not even interested. Well, well they have them. The, Israel has them. They have the, the red heifers and they're ready to be sacrificed. And they're doing it on Passover this year, which is in April, two weeks after the eclipse. And that, that April 8th is oh. the first day of Nisan, of the Passover month. And the X is the Hebrew Tav. So, you know, there's a, <laughs> there's a lot to this, and I, I'll send you a bunch of information. I don't want to get caught up on a ramble here at the end, because I could go for hours. <laughs> oh, yeah, send me all of that. That's really amazing. Wow. Yeah, they, they, uh, they sent a couple uh, rabbi over to the United States, and it's interesting because they got these red heifers from a farm in Houston, Texas, which is also in the pathway of the eclipse. And these these heifers have to be at least, I think, two and a half to three years old before they can sacrifice. And they've had them, and they had them in Israel now, and they've been watching them, and they're finally ready to be sacrificed. And they have 
everything they need to do it. And once they do this, then they can start the ceremony to start preparing the third temple. So it's it's literally days oh, away. Wow. Yeah, it's it's there's a lot to it. <laughs> wow, that's so powerful. Yeah. I'll uh, I'll I'll load you up with a bunch of good stuff. You can check it out. Okay. Okay. Well, guys, uh, this was another great episode with Juliana Crawshaw. Uh, I hope what we spoke about here today moved on your heart. Um, if you guys are, are stuck in the bondage of religion, if you don't know the Lord, uh, we want to give you an opportunity to pray with us today. Uh, the time is very short, as you just heard a little tidbit, and that's only scratching you know the tip of the iceberg of all the things. I mean, I could put an entire entire week's worth of shows together showing you all the prophetic symbolism of of how close we are to the coming of the lord and you don't want to be left behind folks it's going to be utter chaos and and you don't want to be here you do not want to be left behind you want to come and you want to be with the lord and the only way to do that to be in christ is to be born again and accept christ for what he's done on the cross for you and for me and then he was resurrected three days later And if you believe this in your heart, God will come into your heart where you sit and he will change you and transform your life without question. All you got to do is believe in your heart and confess with your mouth. So I'm going to lead us in a sinner's prayer and Juliana is going to repeat after me. And you guys just follow along and we'll go from there. Dear God in heaven. Dear God in heaven. I come to you in the name of Jesus. I come to you in the name of Jesus. I'm sorry for my sins. I'm sorry for my sins. The way I've lived and the things I've done. The way I've lived and the things I've done. Please forgive me. Please forgive me. And cleanse me. And cleanse me. With your precious blood. Oh, with your precious blood. From all unrighteousness. From all unrighteousness. With my mouth I confess. With my mouth I confess. The name of the Lord Jesus. The name of the Lord Jesus. In my heart I believe. In my heart I believe. That God raised Jesus from the dead. That God raised Jesus from the dead. And he is alive. And he is alive. Right now, this very moment right now this very moment i accept jesus christ as the savior of my soul hallelujah i accept jesus christ as the savior of my soul and i make him the lord of my life and i make him the lord of my life and according to your holy word and according to your holy word which cannot lie which cannot lie i believe that i am washed i believe that i am washed that i am cleansed that I am cleansed. That I am forgiven. That I am forgiven. That I am saved. That I am saved. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. Hey, and if you guys prayed with Juliana and I today and you have a born again experience that you want to share on the show, or if you have a testimony of what God is doing in your life, or you just want to talk about God, Reach out to me at rustpodcast at proton.me. That's rustpodcast at proton.me. Juliana, I appreciate you coming on again and spending your your Saturday morning and afternoon with me. It's, It's been a pleasure. It's been awesome. Thank you so much for having me.
Amen, amen. And hey, guys, uh, I'll be on Juliana's show, The Crosswalk Life, coming up in uh, March 14th. So keep an eye out for that. Uh, that'll be streamed on Facebook and I, I believe YouTube. So keep an eye out for that. Uh, guys, take care. God bless. We love you. Stick around because later tonight I'm going to have another testimony coming with, uh, who was it, Juliana? Pastor Mike. That's right. (laughs) Pastor Michael Jakes. I had a brain fart there. (laughs) Anyway, guys, take care. God bless. We love you. We'll see you next time. Juliana, thank you again, and God bless you. We'll see you next time.